host of GrowPDX, Weston Miller of Oregon State University. Good afternoon and welcome to GrowPDX. I'm your host, Weston Miller, with digital producer Diana Suarez of X-Ray FM. GrowPDX airs every Wednesday at 1 p.m. here on X-Ray FM. And as a live call-in show, we want to hear from you with your gardening and landscaping questions. Give us a call at 503-233-9729, or you can text us at 971-220-5979. Today on the show, we're going to dive deeply into mid-summer gardening and landscaping topics, and I bet many of you out there have questions for us, so please don't hesitate to call, or you can post them on our Facebook, which is at GrowPDX. We're going to jump into questions soon, but first, a little gardening humor. Diana Suarez, what does the letter A have in common with a flower? I'm not sure. They both have bees coming after them. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) And here's another one for you. Gardening requires a lot of water, most of it in the form of perspiration. (laughs) It's yep. True. I actually, I heard my college roommate had this sign in our bathroom all the time that I uh, sometimes relate to. It said, N- everything can be cured with salt water, and that can be in tears, sweat, or um, the ocean. The ocean. That's <laughs> true. And yeah. in gardening, I would say there's also a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, no kidding. I know yeah. for me, I have many nicks on my knuckles. Oh, for sure. And lots of sweat and lots of tears from yeah. when the plants just oh, don't work out. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and then one more gardening humor for you. I think, therefore I yam. <laughs> That's from Ratbert. <laughs> yeah. And also, as is tradition here on GrowPDX, we are going to celebrate our plant of the week. And this week, it is Agastache, also known as hummingbird mint and hyssops. Mm -hmm. And Diana Suarez, feel the stem here and tell me what you feel. Oh, yeah, that's a really hearty stem. It's like very thick and... And it's got some yeah. really distinctive corners. Like, yeah, some ridges. It's almost square. Almost it is square. square it is, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was looking for here. So that is yeah. um, all the mint family plants have square mm. stems. So if you're okay. wondering whether or not a plant is related to mint, that's one way you can know. And hummingbird mint and hyssops are some of my favorite of the mint family things. Why? Yeah. Well, because the name itself says quite a bit, hummingbird mint. So it attracts hummingbirds. And I'm a personal big fan of hummingbirds. I love to just check out, like look at them out my window or when I'm sitting in the yard. And they really are pretty phenomenal in terms of bringing those guys in. And then also mm-hmm. there one of this genus is, is uh, Agastache. One of them is Anis hyssop. And okay. it makes a really fabulous sun tea. So you can harvest the leaves, you can harvest the flowers, put them in some water or hot water from your teapot. Okay. And voila, you have a tasty licorice-like beverage. And then another thing here, I'll wave a little flower over for you, pull one off and eat it. Eat and you'll it. notice that it's got a pretty nice little minty, oh, licorice flavor. But it is kind of, it's like a pink mint. It's a pink <laughs> mint. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I like so it. for all of those reasons, and right about now, I've got about four different species of this one, hummingbird mm-hmm. mint, in my mm-hmm. yard, and mm-hmm. they're all flowering really profusely. Yeah. They'll keep flowering, and then, you know, they'll, they'll put up these three to five foot spikes of whorls on uh, flowers with whorls, 
an overall just a fabulous plant for bringing in pollinators and hummingbirds to the yeah. garden. It kind of looks like bee balm. Is it different from bee balm? Uh, bee balm is also a mint family thing, okay. and um, it's a little bit different, but overall same yeah. same family. Okay, interesting. Cool. Thanks for bringing that in, Weston. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Diana, through my job mm-hmm. on OS, at the OSU Extension Service, I manage the Master Gardener program, mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. respond to something like 40,000 gardening questions a year just Whoa. here in the Portland metro area. That's a lot of and questions. And I personally answer hundreds of gardening questions. Um, many of them are seasonal in nature. And yeah. today we're going to explore some seasonal gardening topics. Here we are in mid-July. Let's call it midsummer, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that can and should be going on in the garden. So, Diana, why don't you go ahead and ask some, ac- some questions? Yeah, I actually have a question from upstairs in the yes, office please. from today. Um, our wonderful friend Amanda, our development director. Says, Hi, Amanda. <laughs> says that she, uh, she recently moved into a new place and has gardened, uh, has planted some stuff. Um, and is wondering if there's just anything that she could plant now that would go over for the rest of summer just because she's kind of new and things are kind of not doing so great in her new garden and she knows this, the squirrels like her strawberries so she's sad about strawberries right and is it too late for that good question uh, well Amanda what I'd say is yes there's so many th- different things you can plant now the key will be getting them established in mm-hmm. the heat of the summer. So here's what I would recommend doing. Um, you know, with your existing plants, focus on watering them really well. Okay. And what I see in most gardeners is that they don't really water things enough. Uh-huh. So if you're watering by hand, um, you got to really get the water to, to sort of build up on the soil and soak down in. Uh-huh. And if you think about where the roots are, they're going to be like six, eight, even more inches down in the soil. So dig down and make sure that the the water is soaking in deeply. Okay. Another great trick for watering in the summer is to use a soaker hose. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just hook it up to the end of a hose and wrap it around the plants that you want to water. Leave it on for 45 minutes and yep. that will really soak the water nice and deep into the root system. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get some new plants going, then you know there's going to be a lot of good choices at the nursery. And I would say that hummingbird mint would be okay. super high on the list. We've yeah. already talked about that. Uh-huh. And during the summer, uh, a technique I really like to recommend for planting is to basically pre-water the area. So Mm -hmm. in advance of planting, put on a sprinkler for half a day in that area. Okay. Oh, half a day. Yeah. yeah. And then let it sit for a couple days and then go Uh ahead and dig and then you'll have some wet soil. And then with plants at this time of year when it's dry, you got to think about wet roots going into wet soil. Uh So um, soaking the actual plant in a bucket of water, Uh letting all the air bubble out so Uh that you have a nice saturated root system. And then lastly, another technique is called mudding in where you basically fill up, you, you dig the gardening hole, the plant hole, and then you fill it up with water, mm-hmm. let it that drain through, mm-hmm. and then you put your plant in and fill it up with water again, mm-hmm. and then you bury the dirt there. So yeah. that way you're really ensuring that the plants get um, enough water to get going. Yeah. A little fertilizer can kick things into gear as well. Sure. And then uh, when any with any plant that you install this year, they're not really well established, and they'll need water at least once a week 
through mm-hmm. the course of the summer. So let's call that mid September, October. So until it really starts raining. Yeah. So the idea is water is key. Yeah. And then especially like today, it's 90 degrees out there. Yeah. Um, do, do the planting in the evening or in the morning when mm-hmm. it's not in the direct sunlight. Yeah. Are there plants specifically that you'd recommend? I, I sh- I'm sure tomatoes, you could get some pretty long. Yeah, to- absolutely. Long um, to- yeah. You can, st- if you want veggies and things like that, still, you could definitely go for tomatoes and peppers. I would okay. look for varieties that are shorter season. Yeah. Um, I just happen to know Amanda doesn't like tomatoes. Ah, Do you have any no, other I'm, I'm right there with you, Amanda. I'm not <laughs> a big t- tomato fan myself. Yeah. Um, also, it's a great time to be looking forward to fall planting. And, sure. Uh, kales, uh, broccoli. Okay cauliflower things like Uh that can all be planted uh sort of from now until about mm, early september labor day or so Mm -hmm. uh carrots and beets can and should be planted right about now through Mm -hmm. the next month or so um it's really important for like people want to eat produce in the fall after the tomatoes and things like that go away the planting time really is now. Right. There's a couple things we've already missed the window for. Parsnips would be on that list. Okay. But probably pretty much everything else for um, cooler season type veggies. Now's the time to plant, prepare soil, keep them really well watered. Uh-huh. It is a little hard to get carrots and beets and things like that germinated this time of year because uh-huh. the soil tends to dry out pretty fast. Okay. What about winter squashes? When should we think about those? Winter squashes, um, you could probably plant shorter season varieties now okay. still. Uh-huh. Um, but overall, you want to put those guys in the ground about a month ago in early June. <laughs> Got it. And, yeah. uh, but you could definitely do summer squashes. So zucchinis okay. yeah. and uh, patty pan squash would still do well. Um, at our farm, we plant two waves of mm-hmm. pretty much all those crops. So yeah. one in early June and one in like the third week of June or so. And that way we have a longer lasting supply. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Weston. Yeah. Now, um, Diana, I know you and Will are housemates together yeah. and y'all rent a place. Uh-huh. And um, there's definitely some tricks to growing food in rental property because you yeah. don't want to invest a whole lot of money into right. the soil, into the site, because yeah. you might be moving on. Uh-huh. So let's talk a little bit about container gardening. Okay. Um, yeah. With container gardening, I would say that... Uh, Watering, again, is going to be one of the key things. Yep. And most people don't water containers enough. What is and enough? Enough is going to be every day. Okay. Uh, probably <laughs> on a day like today, even twice a day. Okay. And the thing is, when you're watering that much, you're also losing a lot of the fertility in the mm-hmm. soil. So you want to start out with good potting soil. Add um, a, like a box of organic fertilizer. Mm-hmm. You'll read the directions and apply as much as you, you think you should based mm-hmm. on the directions. And then you'll also want to add fertilizer again as the plants are growing, maybe sure. about three or four weeks into it. Okay. And then um, just keep watering things. And yeah. hopefully if you have a big enough container and you have good fertility mm-hmm. and then you apply enough water, mm-hmm. then uh, container plants should do pretty well. Yeah. What What would you recommend? Like what size container would you recommend for, say, if I wanted to grow a potato For potatoes, you'd want something like a five-gallon bucket, and you could drill some holes towards the bottom of it for for drainage. And then maybe you could fill it about halfway up Uh and then put your potatoes in. Don't get store-bought potatoes. Go to the the nursery and get those. Um, Quarter them up, Mm -hmm. put them in there, and then as the 
potatoes start to grow, you can add more soil, and okay. that way you'll get sort of a longer column of tubers coming okay. in off of the root system. For tomatoes and peppers, you'd also want a, somewhere around a five-gallon container uh -huh. with lettuces and, and arugula and greens uh -huh. and things like that. You can have more of a shallow type container, so okay. flats of so various kinds uh -huh. with maybe like three or four inches of soil. Okay. Um, but again, the fertility is key. You need to mix in um, fertilizer into the potting soil. Most potting soils don't really have enough fertilizer to sustain really good plant growth. Hmm. Can you grow strawberries in a container? Yes, absolutely. Strawberries cool. grow really well in containers. Oh, awesome. And again, you'd want to have a larger type container. Um, the They do sell cool like uh, glazed pot containers with little pockets for strawberries oh, and um, those work out okay but again they're going to dry out and yeah. you'll need to keep them really well watered Got it. another way to water containers like that is to um and i learned this one from monica maggio um who's a, a local tree fruit expert uh -huh. uh, to get like a, a kiddie pool yeah. um and then just put the containers in that and fill up uh, you know, three or four inches in the kiddie pool and then yeah. let that evaporate. And a couple yeah. times a week, you can add water that way. So that yeah. way, it's, it kind of takes some of the guesswork out of it because the plants will soak up as much of the water as they yeah. need. And then do do they lose less fertilization that way? That's a good question. Yeah, they're going to do a little bit better in terms of fertilizer because the water's not leaching through so sure. much. Um, but so still, you want to make sure that we have the nutrients in there. Exactly. Got it. Cool. Yeah. I Those are all good questions. I think I'm going to invest in a <laughs> You're listening to Grow PDX on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Weston Miller, with digital producer Diana Suarez. We're talking about seasonal gardening and landscaping topics, and we'd love to hear from you with your questions about all aspects of growing and caring for plants. You could give us a call at 503-233-9729. You could also text us at 971-220-5979. X-Ray. X-Ray. We'd love <laughs> yeah. to hear from you. Yeah, and just um, another question, because I am a renter, I know yeah. that another option is to to uh, rent a plot at a community garden. Do you yeah. have any more information on that? Sure, yeah, community gardens are a great way to grow if you uh, are looking for access to property. The city of Portland has a community gardens program, and you could just look up that, like city of Portland community gardens. Mm -hmm. um, at some of their locations, I imagine they still have plots available. And in that system, you rent a plot for, I think it's $75 a year. They give you access to it. They give you a, a way to get in the gate and they have some common tools out there. Cool. And then it's, it's your responsibility to take care of it within their parameters. And then there's also um, churches and nonprofit organizations yeah. like Grow Portland and Outgrowing Hunger that also provide community plots, garden plots for folks. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think mainly if you see a community garden in your neighborhood, go look at the signage there on the right. on the gate and see what they say and see if there's any way you can get um, get a, a plot for yourself. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And then overall with community gardening, I would say um, it's really phenomenal watching people garden together. Um, it, it builds community totally. in a way that a lot of other activities don't uh, because people are like, hey, how's your tomato growing? Yeah, and, and it, you trade tomatoes and trade vegetables. Exactly. And, yeah, that's really um, cool. So community gardening is really popular here in Portland and across the country. And um, I'm always just sort of blown away by how how much rich information people share with each other. Mm -hmm. If people don't speak the same language, they might communicate using hand gestures. Yeah. Um, it really is a great way for 
the community to to get out and about to do yeah. weight bearing exercise yeah. um, to grow healthy food to distribute that food and so on to get get vitamin D in to their skin because that's good for your health also that's true <laughs> as well yeah um, we uh, will and I uh, now that I'm thinking about it have a question about wildflowers yeah. where we grew a lot of poppies this yeah. year um, and we just want to continue growing poppies because they're just really cool. Do you have these are California poppies, or these are the or um, regular ornamental poppies? Um, I think they're we they're have not little we, orange ones. No, we don't have the Cal- California poppies. I think they're actually Shirley poppies, and I have seen some that they're, they're a little bit smaller. The bulbs yeah. are smaller, and I've seen some really huge bulbs with like you know fist size pods. Um, um, yeah, they're going to do pretty well just where they are. So cool. there's a lot of poppies that are perennials and yeah. the root systems are alive and they'll mm-hmm. just keep growing happily in that location. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Easy enough. Um, do you all have a lawn? I was going to ask that next. What should we do with our lawn? Because we don't necessarily love it. I mean, we would rather grow food or play croquet on it. <laughs> well, croquet, if you want to play croquet, then you'll want to keep your lawn sure, and yeah. you'll want to try to take care of it <laughs> as best you can. We'll so if you want to keep the lawn, then, you know, in our area, lawns can go dormant during the summer. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to be watered, yeah. uh, but they'll they'll get brown and they won't look very good. And then um, they also will be a little bit less competitive with the weeds. So that's uh-huh. a bit of a disadvantage. Okay. Um, if you want to keep it green, watering them a couple times a week with a sprinkler is, is a good way to do that. I don't think we've ever watered our lawn. Well, and that's okay. <laughs> and for renters, I wouldn't expect you to even <laughs> at all. It's a rainy um, state. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, if you're looking to lose the lawn, then that's just fine too. I'd probably talk to your landlord about that yeah. first. Yeah. And there's a couple <laughs> ways you can go about killing lawn. One is, um, it depends on what you want to grow, but it, let's say vegetables. Yeah. So here's what I would do. Uh, it, right about now in July, soak it really well. So leave the sprinkler on for half a day and totally uh-huh. saturate your lawn. And then go out and spread some uh, lime, agricultural lime, some uh-huh. calcium carbonate. Yeah. It's going to help to improve the soil pH. Okay. And then you could also spread some um, uh, like blood meal or other things like that around. Blood and then what's blood uh, like meal? Uh, blood meal is a fertilizer. Okay, got it. And then y- if you can wait, you can just cover that area with cardboard uh-huh. and then just put a little bit of compost on the cardboard so it doesn't blow away. Uh-huh. And then come September or so, the worms will basically work the soil really nicely for you. Yeah. Um, they'll go in underneath the cardboard and sort of squirm their way through and eat all the dead and dying grass. And oh. they'll leave some really, really nice soil for you. Oh, that sounds really nice. Yeah. So <laughs> that's sort of the um, the least work method of okay. converting lawn to a growing area. If you want to do a little bit more work, I would, again, probably pre-saturate it so it's easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a robust hoe or a pick, you yeah. can go in there and basically just scrape away the grass. Yeah, and, that was um, what I was planning on doing. Yeah, so, so take away the t- the top inch or two inches or so yeah. of the roots, uh-huh. um, f- put that material to the side, and then once you've exposed the soil, add some compost, add some lime, yeah. and um, some fertilizer, and try to dig it in as best you can. Okay. If you take the sort of the stuff you peeled away, the grass, uh-huh. and you are thinking ahead, you can take that stuff and it upside down on other lawn that you want to take over uh-huh. and then do that cardboard method that I just described yeah. and you'll get sort of a, a deeper extra rich bed that way. Oh, okay. So the main thing is 
planning ahead. So yeah. you, where you know you <laughs> want to do it, if you, you're thinking about it, you can save yourself from work. Yeah. If you're ready to go uh, gung-ho, so to speak, with the tools, then you can definitely prepare yeah. soil now. I'm, I'm that type of person where I'll just get an idea in my head and just have to go for it. And so, the, you know, the hoe is my friend because uh, it, it's around. <laughs> well, and then let me know. I have, I've got some nice tools I can let you borrow oh, cool. to make it a little Thanks, bit easier for you. Yeah. I also, at one time I was walking to the market and I saw somebody with like a blowtorch just blow yeah burning uh, that's a great off. question <laughs> um so those are called flame weeders oh, and okay. they're a, a definitely a valid way <laughs> to do weeding and kind of fun yeah i mean i grew up playing with wd-40 and, <laughs> and matches <laughs> myself so it kind of brings me back to that happy time yeah. um so with flame weeders uh, the idea is that you don't need to just like torch the plants necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, but with sort of smaller weeds, you can wave the wand over them yeah. and it's going to heat up the water inside them oh. and burst the cell membranes and kill them that way. Okay. With dandelions and things like that, you can just go torch the top of them and the leaves, um, but the the root system is alive underneath and they're going to regrow. But Got if it. you do that over and over and over again, uh-huh. you could probably whittle away at the energy reserves of the dandelions and get them under control. Okay. Um, um, and then I'd but say we like dandelions. Well, I do they like are dandelions. Pal- pollinators. Da- well, <laughs> so dandelions are one of those um, those weeds that yeah. people need to make a decision about uh-huh. whether they can tolerate it or not. So Got for it. me, I know that the leaves are edible and they're really pretty darn good, and mm-hmm. I know that they're also highly nutritious. Mm-hmm. I know that um, early in the spring, mm-hmm. the yellow flowers of dandelions are some of the few nectar pollen sources around for mm-hmm. bees and other pollinators. Um, I also know that when they when they go to seed, those seeds float and they, yeah. they go to other locations. Yeah. So I think the main thing with dandelions is keeping the floating seeds yeah. from floating onto your neighbor's property. Yeah. Um, but if you can <laughs> handle them in your own yard, by all means, keeping dandelions around is just fine with me. Me too. <laughs> There's also the false dandelion and it oh. it has flowers that are going this time of year uh-huh. and it's it's a less attractive plant and m- something that you'd probably want to pop out. Got it. But overall, um, dandelions are my friend. <laughs> I like dandelions also. Yeah. Cool. Weston, how did you get involved in plants? And, you know, it's, ah. it seems like you just love plants. And I love coming here every Wednesday and talking about them with you. Well, yeah. Tell us your backstory. That's a great question. Um, Back in the day when I was in college, I went on an overseas program to Australia. Okay. And there I discovered permaculture. <laughs> yeah. And permaculture, I'd say, is kind of like the gateway drug to the wider world of horticulture. Okay. And I, I came back and I bought a bunch of books yeah. and I started studying. Can and then you, Can you define permaculture yeah, for those sh- of us yeah, who g- don't? Yeah, great question. Permaculture is... Um, permanent agriculture uh-huh. it's a design philosophy in gardening landscaping uh-huh. village design and so on uh-huh. and there's a lot of horticulture techniques they're okay. they're into food forests they're into sure. growing lots of food um in not necessarily neat orderly rows but uh-huh. more of a, a a natural type arrangement of uh-huh. plants together uh-huh. and with permaculture i think there's a lot of really useful ideas that can be uh, applied towards landscaping and so on mm-hmm. um so when i got out of college i went and started a farm with some people in the oh. bay area in yeah. california uh-huh. and kind of cut my chops growing plants and sold some produce to restaurants and things like that. And then since then, for 20 plus years, I've always had jobs where I've either gotten to landscape or 
doing education focused on gardening and landscaping. Yeah. And, um, you know, overall, I plants are pretty cool and yeah. people are pretty cool. <laughs> and educating people about, about plants, plants is, pretty is particularly cool. cool. <laughs> and um, it's a lot of fun. With OSU, I've been working for OSU now for 10 years running the Master Gardener program. Wow. And what I love about it is uh, people ask us questions, and uh -huh. when they do, I get to learn. I yeah. get to uh, do some research and find totally. out information. And, yeah. you know, I usually remember how to find that information, <laughs> if nothing else. And then uh, just over time, gradually just um, learn more. And yeah. that really is the beauty of gardening right. and landscaping is that there's a whole wide world of learning, sure. a lifetime of learning. Yeah. And it's a deeply humbling process because it, it kind of puts us into our place. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Thanks, Weston. Yeah. What, Will has a question. <laughs> Have you heard about, I'm just going to ask it for him. Have you yes. heard about the uh, outdoor lawnmower Roomba? Yes. Um, <laughs> do you have any yeah, thoughts on absolutely. it? I do. Um, <laughs> you know, mowing lawns can be a little bit tedious yeah. and having a little mini robot <laughs> cruise around and do some lawn mowing sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I wonder how powerful it really is. Uh -huh. Like it seems like if it's battery powered, uh, it's going to have a hard time lasting very long. Right. Um, but I think the idea is with that is if it's going around really regularly and mm -hmm. keeping things well mowed, mm -hmm. it won't have to sort of wade through deep grass and chew through it yeah. so as a maintenance kind of thing it might be pretty cool yeah. and um i've also heard that they're coming out with some roomba like weeding uh, machines oh, as well yeah um so How does the robot know what to weed i think it's going to bump <laughs> into things um okay and stay away from those and it's going to weed the sort of the small weeds okay. out in the middle between different kinds of plants interesting um you know, techno technology is cool and all, but um, one of the things about gardening is it's also a hands-on activity. Right. Yeah. And I would would encourage people to not lose sight of the fact that um, getting outside, mm -hmm. hanging out with the plants is really deeply relaxing, and yeah. it's a, a great hobby as yeah. well. Yeah, and also your plants are going to tell you what they need if you're if you're out there, and if you're not out there, you're not going to know. <laughs> That's a good point as well. Yeah, observation is one of the keys yeah. to being a successful gardener or landscaper, and if you don't go outside <laughs> that's not going to go so for, so well yeah. for you i also just like the feeling of like the gas powered motor mower you know in the running across the grass i don't i like that well feeling. mowing <laughs> lawns can be a really gratifying experience yeah, it's cathartic. Um, i have a push mower and Ooh. it's a, a pretty darn good workout gotta say <laughs> um it usually takes a couple rounds of pushing to really get it well mowed um, and then these days there are some pretty nice battery powered lawn equipment that's available, okay. like the battery technology and the, um, the power is really improving over okay. the last couple of years. Right on. So if you don't want to have a gasoline powered engine, you can still have, a, uh, you know, a machine that will mow the lawn for you with minimal effort. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more things about fall gardening, Diana. Yeah. And that is in choosing varieties for the fall, uh -huh. uh, like for cabbages and things that might overwinter, you want to specifically look for varieties that are labeled as good for fall or go good for Got winter it. storage. Okay. Um, and then another thing is there's this thing called the fall factor. Uh -huh. And as we go deeper in, t like we've already passed the summer solstice was June 21st, right? Yeah. 
as we pass that, the days are getting shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. And even though it seems like we're here in the middle of the summer, there's less and less sunlight as we go. So overall with fall, like late summer, fall planted crops, you want to add two weeks to the time it's going to take to mature. Um, So for example, with carrots and things like that, they might take the packet, we'll say about um, 65 days to maturity. You would want to add another two weeks onto that. Okay. Um, so that means that that sort of um, really implies like now is the time to be thinking about it because the crops take longer to grow this time of year. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You want to talk about harvesting zucchini and summer squash? Yeah, I did have a question about those. Yeah, tell tell me about zucchini and summer squash. Yeah, <laughs> the idea with those guys is that you got to harvest them, and and let's put cucumbers in that list as well. Yeah, you got to harvest them really often, so probably right. three times a week, uh-huh. and they're kind of a bummer to harvest because you get in there and they have the prickly hairs and yeah. things like that. So maybe wearing a long sleeve shirt, yeah. using like a sharp paring knife is mm-hmm. a good way to get in and cut it at the base. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do it every couple w- days then you'll stay ahead of the the harvesting curve and you won't end up with those yard-long zucchinis that no one really likes. And not even the food bank really wants those. They don't taste good. They don't Don't taste that good. They can be (laughs) stuffed and you can do things with them. Uh, But overall, if you harvest them when they're smaller and more tender, they're going to just be overall better. And the other thing is... um, if you're if you're doing that, if the if the plant sort of if the fruits get bigger, then they start to set the seeds, and that right. sends a signal to the plant to stop producing fruit mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you harvest more often, you're able to get a better harvest. Yeah. So I, actually, the the question that prompted the beginning of our, conver- of our conversation was Amanda's broccoli going yeah. to seed. How do we prevent things from going to seed? Just watering and making well, sure. With, with broccoli, it's going to go to seed about now. Oh, well, um, so it, uh, it was a spring planted broccoli and yeah. that's what they do. So you kind of miss the harvesting, but you okay. can eat those flowers, you can eat those side stems, you can mm-hmm. eat the leaves, but uh, pull it out and then start again with some broccoli um, in August or even okay. into September. Okay. With broccoli, you can really plant it twice a year, once mm-hmm. in April and once again in the late summer. Cool. Thanks, Weston. Thanks for all that information. That was a really great show today. Sure. <laughs> Lots of fun. So yeah. thanks, folks, for joining us here on Grow PDX on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Weston Miller, with digital producer Diana Suarez and producer Will Romy. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. X-Ray. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Portland Nursery. For over 100 years, Portland Nursery has provided Portland residents with a wide selection of healthy plants and 